If you have your Bibles today, get them out and go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I started a series a couple weeks ago called Kingdom Rules. Are you ready for some more of that? If you are new with us and you missed part one, part two, part three, we encourage you to go online and and listen to those, believe they'll be of, of benefit to you. Kingdom Rules. We started in this passage, Matthew chapter 6, and read several verses, but again today now, verse 33 reads, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. We're told very specifically what to seek first, and that is the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The corresponding results is every natural thing that we need is added to us. We might say the things we think are important in our kingdom get added because we seek his kingdom. All right? And, uh, and, and this, is, this is essential. It's very easy to understand. Wow, I just put God's kingdom and his righteousness first and everything else is taken care of? <laughs> yeah. But sometimes, I don't know, we have trouble believing that. We, people struggle to, to think if I really just do that, it'll work. But this is God's word we're talking about. He stands behind it. I like the TPT which reads, So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. Like we've said before, it is important for us to see food and shelter and clothing or any material thing as less important. In God's mind, that's not necessary. His kingdom is necessary, most necessary. The other things are called less important. If we'll adapt to his mentality and priority system, we'll have all the less important things we want or need in abundance, too many. But the key is, again, putting his kingdom above all and first and, and, and do that constantly. Now, if we are going to seek first the kingdom of God, it requires that we have some knowledge of what the kingdom of God is. If we are going to have any knowledge of what the kingdom of God is, it makes sense that we would have to know something about what a kingdom is. These, these uh, uh, principles or understandings are not naturally arrived at for many of us who live in the Western world and have never been a part of a kingdom. We understand democracy and things like that more so than we understand kingdom mentality. And that's why it takes a little bit of effort. But if you are a believer, if you've made Jesus your Lord, this is very important to you. I'll just say it up front. You care about this because you want to be able to seek first the kingdom of God. And if you don't have any clue what a kingdom of God is, you know it's not possible to effectively seek it. Right? And so uh, it's interesting to me, especially just, you know, as of late while studying these things more, they become more real to me as I teach them, as they do to you as we study this together. Uh, 
but even in our country, you're not going to graduate from high school until you take a class called government, right? Anybody take a government class in high school? And uh, well, that makes sense for our school system to have those kind of classes. You want the citizenry of our, of our nation to have some basic understanding of the different branches of government and how things are supposed to function, the Constitution, and so forth. But as much as that makes sense, we have, many of us, entered the kingdom of God. The king's rule is inside of us now. And we're a part of this kingdom, but yet we skipped that class. Or it wasn't offered, or we never took time to really understand it, and so we're, in, we're citizens of this great kingdom, and it's an eternal kingdom, and it's God's. Yet we often don't have a clue how things function in the kingdom. And so we treat it like America. Or if you grew up in another country or watching from another country, you're, you're mindful of, your mental, of you know, the laws and so forth of your nation. We must become educated, uh, well uh, you know, taught regarding the kingdom in which we say is most important. It's numero uno to us, and we're going to be a part of this forever and ever. So, let's get back to it then. The kingdom of God. He rules in us. He rules through us. Here is another principle or rule that governs this kingdom, okay? You might think you know it, but I want you to know it more. I want me to know it more, too. All right? In the kingdom of God, the king's word is final. Final authority, the last word, the final word, is up to the king. In the kingdom, it is not about debate. It is not about our vote. It is just the prerogative of the king to set the rules. And if he says something, if we're going to get along in his kingdom, we accept the king's word as ultimate and final authority in our lives. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 24, 35, Heaven and earth will pass away, but, by, but my words will by no means pass away. If he said it, it's just done. It's written. It's final. It will be there forever. Okay? Now, we're, we are conditioned to arguments, to debates. We present ideas and fight them out and wrestle with policies and ideas that we think are right and best and maybe those that benefit us the most. And... Sometimes, you know, people get into heated contention, which is just a matter of pride why that happens. But they do this because that's the, the system we live in on earth in our, in our natural governments. Um, in a democracy, if we don't like something, we vote, right? We vote people in, we vote people out. And in, in some states, your vote counts more than once. And <laughs> sorry, I'm just... I'm just messing with you, Arizona. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Kind of. Uh, but we, if there's something we like, policies we like, we don't like, what's our, our recourse? Voting, 
you know, get this person in, get this person out, vote this law up, vote this law down. That's, that's how we, we're used to functioning in, in our country. Um, in the kingdom of God, it is not that way, right? We have arguments. We're told to cast them down <laughs> if they exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. You got a beef with this? You need to submit your beef, right, <laughs> to the king, to the one who's ultimately in charge. And, and like I said before, this is, on earth, that would be like scary. In God, he is all, his, his, he is love. I mean, he is goodness and righteousness. And, and so we should have no problem at all submitting to the word of the king. But we do need to understand that that's the only way this is going to work. Amen. Now, if you would, take a look at the book of Exodus with me. If you're new to the Bible, it's the very second book in the Bible. Exodus chapter 3. Of course, you know the word exodus means it's about an exit. An exodus of Israel from Egyptian slavery. This is when he called Moses to be the leader of Israel. You know, and the ten plagues and then later the ten commandments and all that stuff is, is happening in this book. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 13, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. So it's an interesting way to describe yourself. God's revealed himself as I am. Well, some of the things we can see clearly that that reveals is he's not I used to be. He's not I'm going to be. Right? It reveals uh, the fact that he has existed. He's the self-existent one from eternity past. It shows that God doesn't change. He didn't say, I became or I shall become. He just said, I am. He is the ever-present, eternal, self-existent God. And, and God revealed himself this way. Now, something interesting about uh, the Jews, about Israel, and about how they have great reverence for God's name, which if you were to say that, uh, from the Hebrew, it's, it's Y-H-W-H, or they add, added vowels to make it so we can say that word, because how do you say that? So we added the vowels to pronounce it Yahweh. But what happened with, uh, with Israel is they stopped speaking or even writing that name a long time ago. And many to this day out of, out of reverence, out of respect, they don't want to get it wrong. And one of the reasons could be a fear of the third commandment about not taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. And so if you're really concerned about misusing, appropriating the name of God, one way to do it is just to never say it or even write it. So often it's replaced with the word, you know, Lord or Adonai. 
Uh, but they didn't want to mess with God's name lest they break that commandment. And it became such a thing to such a degree that the, the, the usage of his name was just almost non-existent in actual application. Yet at the same time, when you read this account, it was the name of the Lord that got Israel delivered from Egypt. It was the great I Am who sent Moses and delivered them and still delivers people today. And so his name is very, very important. And, and, and so they wouldn't use it. But what's interesting when you study the Word of God is I haven't found a verse that says anything to the effect of if you speak the name of God, you will die. Or, you know, or, or say it wrong or something like that, then you're going to die. Yet there are examples of people taking what God has said and ignoring or rebelling against it and that producing death. You go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 2 and 17, he told them, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that day you're, you shall surely die. In other words, if you don't take what I said, that's going to really do you a lot of harm. But many times they seem to get in trouble with that. God would tell them something. They would ignore it. They wouldn't believe it. They wouldn't heed, take heed to it. They would get in trouble, but not with misspeaking or actually saying the name of God. In, in essence, what they did was they magnified God's name above his word. They hold their, the, his word here and like, yeah, we'll do it. I know we're supposed to, but they often rebelled against his word. But the name, the name of God, that, that's where it's all at. That, we, we can't touch that. Okay. Everybody with me? Um. Praise God. How many know that by dishonoring someone's word, you dishonor their name? That's right. When they made light of the things that God said to them, but they said, we're not going to touch his name. Well, you're kind of doing that anyway. Don't we, don't we see it that way with us? I mean, if we speak of each other and say, well, they're a great person, but everything that comes out of their mouth, you have disdain for it then you speak their word, you're, you're kind of a hypocrite when you're saying their name with regard, right? We do that in modern days with, with uh, famous people who have accomplished things. You know, recently with uh, Martin Luther King Day, people are all posting his quotes, right? Things he said. Well, they're honoring the individual by restating the things that he said that were powerful, right? That were truthful, and, uh, and you can honor a person by their name, but when you take what they say, they say this, and you believe it, you say it again, you repeat it, you embrace the truth that's found therein, that's really honoring someone. Yes. How can you honor the Lord? Well, again, there's different ways, but it's kind of hollow when we lift our hands and sing hallelujah to the king, and we praise his name, we sing isn't the name of Jesus wonderful, and all this stuff. It, that becomes shallow if everything that comes out of his mouth is held loosely. If we're sometimes following it, sometimes adhering to it, and sometimes we just do whatever we want. Yes. 
It's kind of like when, when, when James said, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. He said, not supposed to be that way, you guys. We, you know, we come to church and sing the praises of God and then have some harsh words for our spouse. Or we cuss people out on the job. How many know that's a problem? That's an inconsistency that we should wipe out of our, uh, out of our lives. Okay? But we want to keep these things consistent. Now, one of the truths we should also be reminded of is this. When you come over into the new covenant, you find out that there is a name above the name Yahweh. You ever notice there was one? That name is Jesus. As it's written in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above, how many names? Every name. So Jesus is how we say it in English. Jesus is the name that is above every other name. And of course, we're not told to limit our usage of Jesus' name, are we? I mean, we should use that abundantly. If you're a believer, you use it every time you pray. If you're a believer, you know, you, his name casts out demons. His, his name heals the sick. There's great power. Now, you should never mess with it. We should still have utmost respect. You know, if you used to use that name as a cuss word before you came to the Lord, once you get saved, how many know you want to stop that like today? If you have a habit, you know, you, you kick your shin and say Jesus, and you don't mean Jesus is my healer. <laughs> yes, I recommend some, some retraining <laughs> of your own mouth as quick as possible because you need to have respect, regard for that name, not only in worship but also in power. So when you use it, it's intentional. It's in purpose, on purpose. I'm praying in his name. I'm speaking in his name because it carries great weight. It needs to carry great weight with us so that it has an impact when we speak it. But the name of Jesus is higher than the name Yahweh, okay? But this is interesting. Let me have you turn to one more place. It's, it's Psalm 138. And I said all that to get to this. Psalm 138, where David prophesied. You know, the Psalms are prophecy. They're inspired utterance. Some of it's predictive. Some of it's just inspired praise and, and so forth. I know how prophecy can sometimes work is when you are speaking by inspiration of the Lord, sometimes you're listening to yourself. And sometimes when you're speaking by inspiration of the Lord, you don't even fully understand everything that you say. You could be saying something and later look back and say, wow, I didn't even get that. That's powerful. It makes you wonder if David knew I'm guessing here. Did he know what he said here in this verse we're about to read? Because what it reveals was kind of the opposite of what everyone was doing. It's one of the reasons the Lord has people like myself and others speak is because our thinking follows often our culture or the ways of the world and we have to be reminded of the word of the king. Yes. We have to have a change of thought in order for life to work. Amen. Here's what he said. Uh, Psalm 138 Notice with me in verse 2. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. 
Did you see that? He said, the Lord, God, has taken his word and elevated it above his name. What have they done? They have elevated his name above his word. And so utmost respect and awe and reverence and don't touch it, don't mess with it at all. But his word, yeah, you know, we may take that or we may not. And David said by the Spirit, nope, the Lord has put his word above his name. Amen. So you think you're keeping holy his name, but he has submitted his own name to his own word. Yeah. What does that mean? That, mean? that means that God himself submits to what he says. Yes. If he said it, it is forever the standard that even he himself lives by. Yep. Right? Yeah. You've all heard of Congress making laws for everyone but themselves. <laughs> They don't like to restrict themselves in any way. They just like to make laws for everybody else. Okay. In the kingdom of God, God's word is the very highest thing above all else. That even he himself submits his name to it. By the way, that principle should be lived out by us. We think, well, I'm a person of integrity. I'm a person of honor. My name means something. It only means something if you do what you say. And if we tell people one thing and then do something else, your name is no good. Hallelujah. Because I mean, listen, we live in a culture where we try to get out of everything. If it's inconvenient. We write up contracts, sign our name. Okay, now it's rock solid. Unless it becomes inconvenient, then you find another lawyer. Can you find any way now I can get out of this? Right? It's say one thing, do something else. In God's kingdom, that is foreign language. God speaks done. He himself will abide by it. See, that, that, that's what's wrong with the notion that individuals have sometimes that they think God has made an exception in their case where he's withholding their blessing. He's keeping their healing away, their answer to prayer. He's keeping something that he promised away from them. That's impossible. Yep. He can't. If he promised it, if he said it in his word, he himself yeah. abides by it. So his answer to you is yes. That's why you know that scripture. All the promises of God in him are yes. Why? Because he said it. He can't change. His word is final in his kingdom. This is why we can trust him. Hallelujah. And so it would be important for us to recognize that whenever we use the name of Jesus in prayer, in commanding, that we do that in connection with God's word. These things aren't separated, really. Uh, let me say it this way. I can't ignore a directive from the word or by his spirit inside of me and say, well, I'm just going to do it anyway in Jesus' name. <laughs> you know, if the Lord ever uh, gives you a warning you got that check on the inside, don't go here, stay away from this person, get, get, avoid this business deal, you know, don't put your money here, or whatever. He, 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 he warns us if we're about to make mistakes. If you're walking close with him, you'll notice that at times. We can't say, oh, I'll be fine. I'll just speak in, I'll just speak in Jesus' name. Slap a little Psalm 91 on that baby. The protection of the Lord, do some blood slinging, you know. Uh, 
I'll be fine. No. These things all work together. When you're led of the Spirit, you have great confidence that you're obeying Him. It's like when our, our groups go to missions trips around the world and, uh, and you sometimes go to places that, you know, foreign countries, some of them are kind of, can be dangerous. You know, you go to that con continent over there that has lions and stuff. That's kind of crazy. Uh, how do you live with confidence of safety and protection? It's a combination of I'm doing the will of God and I carry his name. Not I'm just doing whatever I want to do. But I'll slap Jesus on everything. These things work together. But I want you to notice my, my main point here is that the word of the king is final. It's got to be in our lives. It is with him. In his kingdom, his word is final. That's what matters. And we've got to keep it in that place at all times. Now, when it comes to uh, the kingdoms of this world or our countries, nations, we all have constitutions. We have the Constitution of the United States, and that's a good thing. Um, because of our Constitution, the downward slide in our country has been slowed a great deal. The Constitution is a wonderful thing. It takes great effort to amend it. And that was done on purpose. But it basically provides the, the foundation. I mean, you see how free speech is under attack today. Even with our Constitution. Think if it wasn't in the Constitution. Right? It would have been, we'd be restricted already. Right? Okay, so in a, in a country like ours, it takes great effort to change the Constitution. In God's kingdom, what, his, what he says is the Constitution. And it's not only, it's, it can't be changed with great effort, it can't be changed. He knew what he was doing when he said it. It's not like people do with our Constitution in the, in the United States, and they say, they could have never predicted that we would have, you know, phones in our pockets and airplanes in the sky and the Internet and all this stuff. And so they want to they tinker with it and say they didn't understand. Um, how many know God understands everything? Yeah. And he, it doesn't matter that technology has changed, society has changed. His word is unchanging. It never is to be altered whatsoever. In the kingdom of God, his word never changes. Now, if you're wondering, if you've ever read different verses in the Old Testament that speak of God relenting or repenting from something, have you ever read those verses and you thought, what? God repented? I don't understand that. I thought he never changes. Well, he doesn't. When, it, when you read those type of scriptures, those statements, it, re, it pertains to him changing the course of direction for an individual's life based upon what they did with what he said. In other words, he at, at times will say, this is about to happen to you. You're going to, you know, and some like Hezekiah, you're about to die. Get your house in order. You're about to die. Well, then when the individual says, ah, I repent. I'm changing course. You know, forgive me. That kind of stuff. It's through intercession, through repent, repentance, those type of things. What happens is God will come back and then say, okay, now I've given you, I've given you more time. 15 more years to your life. Or now it was going to go bad for you, but now I'm going to bless you. That's not really God changing. It's him uh, changing our outcome based upon what we do. I mean, if ever, everything, if ever everything is going south in life, 
Don't look to God to change. Look in the mirror and say, Lord, I'm not really cooperating with your blessing here, am I? Help me to see it and know it so I can make the adjustments that I need. Yeah. And so um, this, is, this is how the kingdom of, of God works. In a democracy, we, have, we see the language in our own documents that use the language, we the people. Know that language? We the people. We have gotten together and we have concluded that this is what's going to be the law of our land, how we're going to be governed. This, these are our constitutional uh, rights and so forth. In the kingdom of God, there is no we the people. But you see this language in the scriptures again and again, I the Lord. In a kingdom, the king makes the rules. The king sets the standards. He calls the shots. I the Lord. The constitution then of the kingdom of God is whatever he has said. It is the word of God and it is his desires. You find in here his aspirations for his citizens. You find in here a method, a way by which all his people can enjoy his best. Listen to these verses. Psalm 45, verse 6. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Psalm 119, 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. How long? Forever. Psalm 119.52. I remembered your judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. What are we supposed to remember? The things he's already said. What he has already judged to be right or wrong. Now here's the danger if we don't get kingdom mentality. Religious people try to change the word. It's happened for hundreds of years. Religious people, different groups, different religions, they start to get in here and mess with the scripture. They try to, they, they try to take part of it. Uh, they often are trying to adapt it to their culture. Instead of adapting themselves, they adapt the scripture and take parts out and, and disqualify some from being relevant to their life. Um, Often it's because the culture becomes more ungodly. So they say, how can this be? And let's just tear this page out. <laughs> In essence, um, they do that with miracles. Different groups have said, oh, yeah, no, the miracles aren't real. And miracles aren't for today. And it's a book of miracles <laughs> from beginning to end. Yet they don't understand it or don't understand why something didn't happen. And therefore, they're messing with the source. Messing with the, the constitution of the kingdom. They do that with morals. Well, morals change. They don't with God. They're still the same as they've always been. They do that with salvation. Remember Jesus said the path to life is, is narrow. The road is narrow. The path or road to destruction is broad. What have people done? Especially in religious circles today. They flipped that the opposite Oh, yeah, almost everyone goes to heaven. You have to be Hitler or something to miss heaven. But that's not what Jesus taught. He said this road is narrow. There aren't that many people that get on it. The road to destruction is broad. Well, say, what do you think about that? It doesn't matter what I think about that. I'm not authorized to mess with that. 
Are you authorized to mess with God's word? Almighty you. <laughs> I'm not. I don't have the authority to do that. I'm in his kingdom. Okay? It's kind of, another example is, you know, secular media loves to ask Christians what they think about hot topics, controversial topics like gay marriage, homosexuality, that kind of stuff. They love to ask Christians, what do you think about that? It's usually a trap. Okay. How about this answer? Uh, I don't think anything. What? I wasn't authorized to give my opinion about the subject. I am an ambassador from heaven. All I can do is give you heaven's position. I'm not authorized to mess with the Bible. Just because popular times and culture says change this, change this, change this. The basis of my salvation is on an unchanging eternal word. It is by that word, the seed of God's word that we're born again. I'm not touching it, you guys. I'm not messing with it. The ambassador in, in the world today would say something like, well, my government's position is. See, they're not there to give their own opinion. They're not there to say, yeah, well, I think. If that's what we're doing with God's word, we have got to back up and realize this is the kingdom of God. This is not a debate. And the things that God has said about anything, about how we live, about his blessings, about eternity, about salvation, our position is just to say, yes, sir. Again, we're most glad when we agree with our king. (laughs) But uh, again, this idea that everything is just up to us and let's just kind of figure this out is the wrong mentality and then we, we think, I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, and yet we're inserting our opinions about everything? I think we might have missed the point. Oh, come on. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> Everybody okay? Yes. I think that there's some, there's some adaptation that needs to happen in our mentality towards God. And if we'll do that, I tell you, we're better off, the world is better off, because, again, the Lord is establishing His kingdom on earth through us. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. His rule. His dominion inside of us. And we rule through him. So the best thing we can do is as frequently as possible. Is put his word in our mouth. God's word in your mouth is just as powerful as God's word in God's mouth. It's the origin. It's the source. It's the thing that upholds the universe. All things are held together by his word. And it is, in the kingdom of God, the final authority, the final word. Amen. Let's pick up there next time. Father, thank you for working in us today. We purpose in our hearts to yield ourselves to you. We seek you first in all that we do. Lord, we give place to the king.